On this episode of the podcast, we've got Frederick Mahlouf. Um We have two parts of this podcast. Unfortunately, I made a rookie mistake and I let my battery on my phone charge die. So we had to continue this podcast the second day. I hope you enjoy it and here we go. Uh, okay, so we're here with another episode of uh, Conversation with Kareem and Joe. Uh, today's uh, guest is Frederic, uh, we call him Mark. We'll ask him why his name is Mark, where his real name is Fred. Uh, we'll get into that. Um, Fred has been a part of the national team setup since the first year, since 2010, and he's been in and out of the team over the, the last decade. Um, he currently lives in Dubai with his wife and his baby boy. Um, so, yeah, first of all, welcome, Mark, to the podcast. Welcome, Mark. Thank, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, Who's outside? It's a, very nice, <laughs> it's a very nice idea you guys are doing. Um, you know, highlighting rugby in Lebanon and talking to, uh, obviously, ex-players, present and future players. Hopefully, we're going to... I couldn't yeah. agree more with you, Mark. It was a very yeah. good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a very nice uh, nice way to reach out and then listen to people, you know. Yeah. Cream, you outside? Oh, like, like, yeah, in a garden area. That sounds good, right? Yeah, bird. Like, there's a bird in the podcast. Oh, that was just me off, the, <laughs> off air, just doing a little sing-song. <laughs> uh, all right, so, so Mark, tell us. So, obviously, we call you Mark. I've only known you as Mark. Yeah, I think yeah. it took me about four years to realize that wasn't your real name. So... Yeah. Where did the name Mark come from? Uh, okay, so originally I was born in Africa, and I was named Frederick. Uh, then when okay. we came to Lebanon, um, you know, my grandmother uh, wanted to call me Mark. She, she thought Frederick is a long name. And then when we came, so, so everybody called me Mark. And then when we came, when we came to, uh, when I started with the Phoenicians, uh, back in 2006, there was like two Fredericks on the team, and it was becoming confusing. So they they asked me, "What would you be? What would your nickname be?" And I said, "Call me Mark." And this is how. Till now, my mom calls me Mark. My brother, my very close friends, you guys, whoever knows me, calls me. So your whole family called you calls you Mark just because your grandmother wanted yeah. to call you Mark. <laughs> yeah. She, she was definitely I'm, a Mahlouf then. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the story behind it, to be very honest. This is what I know. And it's like about the name being long and they just wanted like a shorter version of, version of it. And that's so it. They couldn't just, they couldn't have said Fred? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Fred, Freddy. But I think it wasn't, it wasn't a very familiar name back then, back in 1983. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Fred, it's like, that's got, it's the same thing. It's actually got less letters, isn't it, Mark? It's just four no, letters, thing. Karim. Four letters, Karim. That's Edison. That's Edison. Um, all right. So that first question that we usually ask everyone is like, okay, so how have you started? How did you start in Lebanon rugby? And you know, what made you uh, get involved? By the way, boys, before you can ask answer that question, Mark, yeah. I'm in this little garden area. And there's these two kids playing rugby. Terrible technique. I'm I'm going to do a coaching session with a master. <laughs> um, okay, go on then, Mark. Go for it. So, why did you start? Where? And you know, how did you get involved? Yeah, it all started in 2006. Um, I just was. I had a friend who, you know, asked me, "Would you play rugby?" And um, and he told me, and he told me about Jamhur. 
Huh? Who was that? Who was that? Who was your friend? No, it was a guy called Jad Lahoud. He just he used to be a Jamhur student, and I just okay. know him out of you know out of rugby. I just know him, and because I was playing okay. soccer and I was going to the gym, and he asked me, you know. I went to Jamhur, but unfortunately in Jamhur they don't accept players who are not ex-Jamhur. Oh, really? So they told me there's a Phoenicians club. And then when I went there, you know, I honestly, I got hooked from the first session. It's such a beautiful sport. I just got hooked. And from there on, I just kept playing and, you know, attending all the sessions as much as possible. And that's it. That's how I got hooked. Yeah. I remember when I first met you, you were a winger. You were like ridiculously quick, just yeah. super fast. Yeah. And um, you know, couldn't pass to save your life. But if, if once the ball was in your hand, you're like no one could catch it. I was, um, yeah. and you were like super aggressive as well, super aggressive. Yeah. Um, so when you first joined Beirut, like who who were the guys that were around playing for Beirut at the time? There was uh, Bassam Hosseini, uh, Mo Birro, obviously your father, uh, yeah. your uncle Mike Jamal, your father Alex Jamal, yeah. uh, Frederic. Frederic. Oh, is that is that my dad's name? Is it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't, like I didn't know. Yeah. Frederic uh, yeah. Khalil, uh, another French. Is that French Fred. There's another French Fred. Yeah, uh, a lot of okay. a lot of expats as well. Um, they were, you know, uh, I told you, Bassam, Hassan Karake, um, Ray used to come with us on tours. Ray Asfour, Raymond Asfour. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Hajaj, you remember? Yeah. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan, yeah. 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 Uh, JP, a lot of these old expat players, um, some of them still actually play till today. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I, I was uh, I was saying the first time I met you on the wing, but that was in 2005. Yeah, we went to Dubai Seven. Um, I was obviously in I was still in I was still in high school. I think I was correct. So 2005, I think I was about 16. Um, yeah. So I, I I so I was I think I was 15, 16 because. Um, my dad was saying that they had to change my date of birth or something on my age on the on the players' pass. Yes. I was too young to play in the, with the adults. Yes, correct. Um, still carved it up though. Um, but yeah, I think when I went on that tour, I was the only person I was really socialising with was with you because you're the only person that was around my age bracket. I think you were like 19 at the time, maybe. Yeah. Um, and everyone else, there was like me who was 15. I was 20. You at 19, yeah. and then. 20, yeah. You then you at 20, then the then it was like somewhat like probably Has, Hassan Karaki was like 30. Ray was with us, and then my dad was Ray Asfour with us. Asfour, no, La, he wasn't there in 2005, oh, yeah. he was there in 2006. Oh, yeah, maybe when there was raining. Um, it was 2005, so that yeah, that's when I first met you. And from a personal point of view, I you know, I, I just knew from the, the get go, you just you just love the sport and you're well into it and you just love the culture yeah. about it. It was uh, it was it was it was a great um. It was a great start to our it's... rugby uh, relationship. Correct. First time I met you, Mark, was um, a training session down at Silly Field. I remember. I remember Green yeah. telling me about you before it. Going, oh yeah, this guy's he's, he's there. He works all day. And then he was training. He's he's an animal. <laughs> and then uh, and then he took me around on your on your moped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to your house. Uh, and then you took. We went. Remember, we went to Decathlon to go find some t-shirts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and you on, on me and you on the moped. Yeah, and you just... had to give me a helmet because <laughs> I was like not riding this with a helmet. I know. <laughs> we yeah, we wanted to get some t-shirts for the national team. I believe we're like organizing some t-shirts yeah. and and stuff. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, rugby is is such a beautiful team sport. Um, you know, I I just you know I I felt like I was. I mean, 
I wasn't. I don't want to say I was born to play this game, but I love this kind of games. Um, you know, I love these games that had physical contact, but the same a lot of respect uh, to the opponents. And you need to be strong. You need to be mentally, physically strong. But at the same time, you know, you need to be a gentleman, a polite person, and you need to respect your opponents. And I, I love to tackle. You know, I was on the wing through. I was fast, yes, and I, I love to tackle. And this is when I met uh, Steve Tofanoa. He's um, a Walesian. Yeah, Big, big Steve. Steve. He's a Walesian player. And when he, he's, he used to work for the French embassy. And when he saw and how I love to tackle, he said, you mean, with your speed, with your uh, mobility, your fitness, and your tackling, you should be playing as a flanker. And this is when I started playing on, on the, on the flank, flank position. Yeah, I, I remember when you said that you wanted to change position. It was just like, what? Like, how could you just like, you know, think about changing something like that? I guess at the standard that we were playing, the level that we were playing, you know, it, we weren't really playing against guys who were, you know, the typical flankers nowadays yeah. or, the, or the, the, the the pack nowadays of professional of course, or international rugby where, you know, so it was easier. I guess it was much easier to make that transition. Yeah. But you took it like a Dr. Water, like, you, you know, you just naturally over the ball whether it was legal or legal exactly uh, mainly, just, mainly not legal mainly not legal yeah. um but one thing one thing i wanted to bring up was something that joe just yeah. said just now you know i when he first met you i told him that you know this guy works all day works all night and plays rugby you know tell us a bit about that because you know for that the one thing that i've always respected about you is that you know you, you you're a bit of a you're a grafter there's there's no there's no second way to say it you I remember you'd have university and then you'd have an afternoon job and then you'd have an evening job and any time that you'll have free that you'll play rugby or go to the gym. It's like you were just nonstop and you, you hardly gave yourself time to even sleep, let alone to do anything fun. Like how did, how with all that going on in your life, did you get the most, keep the motivation to get involved and stay involved in rugby or keep yourself fit and healthy? Uh, correct. You 100% nailed it. Um, I was, at a time, I was uh, going to university. I was working during the day. I was having a part-time night job in, in pubs or clubs, whatever that, that was, mainly on the weekends. I had a, obviously, I, I, if you know, I had a dog, a Jack Russell, which needed to obviously take it out. I was going to the gym and I was attending my rugby sessions. I'll tell you something, Karim and Joe. There was a time, I mean, not there was a time when I used to finish rugby training or a game and then I would have work at night. You know, at night it's busy. People are just, you know, standing, crowded. You, ha you know, it, it was so frustrating just to be walking between people, you know, getting, being shoved left and right. And, you know, you get irritated because you're already tired from a game or a training session and then you have to come and work because obviously... I used to pay my own university fees uh, for my own education. Um, and yeah, it wasn't easy, but because I loved, I had to work at the same time. I loved rugby, but at the same time, I always say you have to be fit to play. You don't play to be fit. So you need, I needed to go to the gym to make sure that, you know, I have less injuries. I'm always strong. I'm always fit. Because the moment I stepped my foot on that pitch, whether it was a training session or a game, First of all, I don't want to disappoint myself. And definitely, I don't want to disappoint the team. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, when you, when, you see, so when you see young players yeah. coming through now who are at Jamhur yeah. or Beirut or Junior, whoever, whatever club, 
you see young player who could be 20, 21 years old, you know, they've been fortunate, fortunate enough where they haven't had to have work a day job or an even job or have to worry about paying for their university because their right. parents can pay it. What, what do you think of them when you see them and they're 21, 22 years old and they, their body is not as fit as it could be? Um, they're not as fit as they could be. They look a bit lazy. Their their mindset in terms of compared to what yours was like is not as strong. Like, what do you think when you see someone like that? Well, especially on an yeah. international well, scene. Like well, if you remember, we used to. I mean, I was also involved in the federation. Uh, I had to work. I worked one year in the federation, but I was also involved more than that in you know the training program for the schools. So I was basically jumping from one school to another. Sometimes two, three schools per day. To coach, un- honestly, as much as I knew, yeah, we, we, I heard you guys talk about the uh, level one coaching and the level two and, you know, how experienced the coach is and all of that. Obviously, I've gained a lot of more, much more experience throughout the years. We'll talk about that uh, in a few, in a bit. But at mm-hmm. that time, okay. <laughs> at that time, uh, you know, I, I, what I knew I was teaching and basically it was all about discipline, basic skills, you know, because rugby was still a growing sport but when we when I used to see uh, those teenagers you know I could sometimes tell if these kids are, are healthy or not or if they are going to the gym or not some of them just depend on that one or two sessions per week of rugby and I kept telling them you need to go to the gym you know you have to build your your physique you have to keep training and if you love the game don't just go and disappear and then come back you're going to hurt yourself. It might be too late. Stay involved, you know. Keep training. Keep coming. You're going to love it, and you're going to love it more. And people around you will appreciate and respect you more. And if you, if you are a guy and you really want that, you know, girl to, to like you more and hit on you, she's definitely, you're definitely going to be there. <laughs> by, you know, by, you know, being a fit rugby player. So, Fred, you, I, yeah. Sorry, go on, mate, Karen. So, so, yeah, I mean, I always encouraged coming to training sessions, but at the same time, you know, going to the gym, it's a must. In a physical game, it's a must. There's no chance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you're doing that just in your spare time, Fred? No, I... Uh... One of the things, one of the things me and Kareem have been, you know, a common theme when we're talking to people on the podcast is just finding those people who are just motivated to just go out of their way and do these things and well, go to schools, go to kids. And, and you're, yeah. always, you're always someone that first pops into my head or I think that would be perfect. Well, obviously you. now, I mean, I have a boy, two years old. Um, mm. uh, it's, it's, a, it's very hard to, uh, to, you know, to parent and, you know, and, and at the same time do whatever I used to do. Things are limited now. Obviously, I have, I have a great partner, my wife, May. She's she's doing a fantastic job with raising our son, but yeah, Good plug but in there. I definitely uh, you know I, I it's not a, I find the time I have to I have to make that time you know I have to schedule that time and same when I was in university and working I made sure that if my uh, courses were at a certain timing I have to go to the gym at that timing either it's going to be early in the morning I have to wake up super early or I have to do it during the day or I have to do it at the end of the day. Most of the time, I would recommend doing the gym session early in the morning because you do it, you get it out of the way. And as Karim said earlier, a lot of, a lot of these kids these days and the teenagers have amazing facility, gym facilities. 
جمهور يو اس جي اي يو بي ال يو دي هاف اميزنج جيم فاسيلتيز سو دي كان اند دي هاف شاورز سو دي كان دي كان ايزلي دو ا جيم سيشن بتوين ذا كلاسز بتوين ذا كورسز ذير از نو اكسكيوز Yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. I think that, you know, I think a lot of people, especially the young guys coming through now, I think you'll only, they'll only be, say there's 10 or 15 guys coming through. If they stay the way that they are, they might, they will probably only play one or two years in international rugby because they get, they get to that point where, okay, they've got the basic skills and they've got the, they're, they've got the, um, they're young enough and they've got the um, attitude to be a part of it and they'll be a part of it. But, because their attitude to their physicality and their fitness and their conditioning is not that serious that they can't they won't be able to sustain playing at that level for long because they exactly. just, they can't you know i think a couple of years i think a couple of years ago especially 2010 2011 2012 you could, we could have had a player who's pretty much overweight a bit unfit and you get away with playing at our level but now with the amount of people that we have coming through especially with the you know the people from overseas australia and france yep. and uk and whatever you know players can't afford to just be lighthearted in, in their condition and their physical, physicality and their fitness they, they, they they're not they're not going to last in an international and looking, international and looking at the long, number of games also being played outside compared to lebanon you know that alone you know that yes. alone is a big part so if you're not fit i mean I remember I never smoked, I barely drank, you know, alcohol. Uh, although I used to work in clubs and nightclubs for 10 years and I, I never drank on duty. I barely, barely, barely drank on duty. Like it, was, it wouldn't happen every time I go to work, mm. I would drink or have a shot even. And, you know, when I came to Dubai, we always have games on Friday. A lot of people would go on Thursday night, will go out, will go for a drink. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even have a, a shot or a beer or anything. Because I just want to be focused, disciplined. I want to wake up next day, do my routine, be ready for a game. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I've, I've, I think I noticed that early on with you. You, you, were, you had a very professional approach to Correct. the way you look after yourself and, how, and, your, and your approach to the game. Because I think, I think I've, tell me if I'm wrong here, but this is just me assuming. I think you've always knew, knew that Correct. you weren't the biggest. Correct. You weren't the most skillful. You didn't Correct. have the best understanding of the game. But one thing that you did have over people is that you were fit, you worked hard, and you would do the things yeah. that not people want to do, which was rook, tackle, and not really care Correct. about I wouldn't hesi- ball or not. I mean, as a flanker, I wouldn't hesitate. And for me, number one rule is the ball. You know, whether it was with a, with a player or whether it was with an opponent. You know, if it's a player, I have to make sure I'm up his ass, making sure I cover that rock at any cost. You know, and if, it's, if the ball is there, I'm not going to yeah. hesitate. I'm going to put my head in. I'm going to try to get that ball. That's how it is. Yes, unfortunately, many times, countless times, I'll, I'll be in, in a penalty position. I'll be in an offside position. But this is what a flanker. Screams out at you. But this is this God. is this is what a flanker does. You know, if a flanker is gonna tackle and that's it, let's do the tackle and not do that extra effort of getting up and getting back, trying to get the ball back. Then I'm sorry that I mean, you know, you you've you've done half the, half the job. So, yeah. As, as, sorry, go on, Joe. Yeah, Kareem shout. Every time I uh, watch a video back, what you hear is Mark. No, Mark. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it's literally been 
so 2005 to 2020, 15 years of me saying, what, <laughs> what the fuck are you? What fucking fuck? Leave it. Ice, ice, you fucking leave And it would be like, and he'd be, it'd be 10 to seconds too late, and he, his head would come up with that, with that white scrum cap, with that white scrum cap, with the, with the blue gum shield, just looking around at the sky, like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> what did I do wrong? What about? Oh, one, one, thing I, I one thing I wanted to ask, Fred. Yeah. Um, that kind of attitude that you got, um, you know, about your training, diet, and how you approach the game and approach the sport, is that something that you learned from rugby or is that something you had before coming into rugby? Uh, yeah, so, so I only started I only started rugby at the age of 19, 20. Uh, and I believe, to be very honest, if I had grown up um, maybe at the age of five, six, learning properly the game and being maybe in a rugby school, Probably I would have mm. had the chance um, to be a semi or professional player. I mean, because um, I, eight o'clock is it? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm under the bow. Of all the places, <laughs> should we start? Should we start that question again? I'll edit. I'll edit. Yeah. I'll edit it. Yeah. I'll edit it. Don't worry. I'll just I'll just remember the second. Should I ask the question okay, again? Go on. Yeah, just... go on. Yeah, you can. Um, yeah, so Fred, what I wanted to say was that attitude that you have towards rugby, yeah, uh, about how you prepare for the for a match, how you prepare your training, is that something that you learned from rugby, or is that something that you brought into it? it Try to give to other people. It's it's a bit of both. Um, I've I've been going to the gym and playing uh, team sports since I was young, like soccer and basketball, mainly soccer on a, on a you know. Being going to training sessions tw- three times a week and playing a game on a Sunday, so that that also mm. taught me a lot of discipline. Also going to the gym, you know, being there doing the session, and then and then coming into rugby, it's it's something that you either have the heart for it or you don't. You know, nobody they can, we can teach you how to play, but if you really don't have the heart for it, you won't be. And being professional is not about only making money. Yes, you get a title of being a professional player because you, you end up getting money to, for what you do. But it's also what's inside your head. You know, being professional is by, by your attitude, by coming to the sessions on time, you know, by, by working at home. I mean, by I mean, doing the gym sessions, all of that, by your diet, you know, your commitment. If you have a game the next day, make sure you sleep well the day before. So that's also being professional, in my opinion. And definitely, I've learned while being in rugby, when we go on these tournaments, when we used to go on the uh, university World Cup tournaments, when we, used to, when we went to Incheon, the, uh, the Asian Olympic Games, you see, you see how it happens around you and you know, all the teams, how professional they are. And you learn. You see and you learn. Do, do you think that gave you um, a mental edge? Over people, did you like? Did you know that you were you were doing this hard work, and other players didn't work, weren't doing that hard work? Did that give you a bit of yeah? I would with all due respect and and being humble with my answer. I mean, when I first came to rugby, you know, there were so many people playing the game before me, maybe ten years or or five years before me, and I, I mean, I I excelled because I was also physically physically ready, you know ready to, 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 to accept new skills and new challenges and fitting quickly into them. That's why you see if a person is, is, a, is a sports person, whatever uh, you know, sports you give him or whatever new activity you give them, they will always pick it up much faster than, 
than others, except for golf. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't, but yeah, I understand where you're coming from with that. I think um, I, I remember one time. I think I came back. I, I was. I don't know if I said this story before on the podcast. Um, I don't know if I told you before, Tuma. Um, I think it was it was the season I came back from California, and it was the first season that I think Laurent was back in Lebanon. So Jamal was on this. Uh, uh, sorry, Laurent was back from Canada. So Jamal was on this rebuild phase, and uh, it was Beirut versus Jamal that got to the final. So it, I think there was like two rounds of the Six Nations left, or one round of the Six Nations left before the final. So in my head, I was just like, okay, well. I'm just going to stop drinking for the next two weeks. Um, I'm going to stop drinking for the next two weeks. I'm going to be in the gym a little bit longer. I'm going to just work a little bit harder for the next two weeks. Not because you can make significant gains in two weeks, but mentally I thought, well, if I can stop, stop having a drink on a Friday night and spend a little bit extra time in the, in the, in the gym, it, 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 I know that it, it will just give me a mental edge. And there was a, there was a, I think it was France versus... Scotland or France versus I think France versus Scotland at one of the girls players houses and Laurent, Surreal and Omar Hamawiz like they were like well that we're all going to this girl's house come down and watch it so I think there was girls like Rania, Kay and a couple of the French girls so I knew like it's a bit of like I think it's a bit of mental games that I wanted to play but I knew that I would get there and there'd be beer there because it was like a Friday night or a Saturday night. And this was the weekend before the final. I was like, I'm just going to get there and make it very clear. I, like, I couldn't wait for them to ask me if I wanted a beer. So I wanted to make it very clear to Laurent and Surreal that, hold on, you know, already I know they're waiting, they're, they're looking out for me because I'm, you know, I'm, they would say that I'm a dangerous player for Beirut. But now I want them to know how serious I'm taking it. So when we got there, Laurent and Cyril were having their beer. They're like, Yo, do you want to drink? I was like, nah. And they were like, why? And Omar was like, oh, he's not drinking until after the final. And I looked at Cyril and I looked at Laurent and they were just like, Aiden, man, Aiden. Like, oh, what the fuck? And I was just like, okay. You know, I've, I've won. I've won this round. Like mentally, because I just knew that they're young kids, kids. They, they wouldn't think anything of it. But I knew that they probably would have left that evening thinking, exactly. Jesus, like, Kareem's exactly. taking this seriously. We've got to work a little bit harder. They got, we got to work a little bit harder. And, and I like same, that. I like that, you know, same, that, like, mental game. I ended up scoring same, two tries. Same, talk about that. Uh, Joe, Joe, Kareem, same what happens here in Dubai. You know, we have a, we have a big expat culture over here. Uh, you know, we have people coming from New Zealand, Australia, Britain, uh, Great Britain. Uh, the thing is, it's uh, on a Thursday night they love to drink, and, be, and most of the, and our games was on a Friday Friday afternoon. Uh, every Friday afternoon we have games, and sometimes surprisingly you would have players coming late to the game, or some of them won't show up at all to a game, and. That's all they we would know that they have had they had been drinking the night before. You can tell from you know from their fitness or whatever on the on the pitch. And do you need to be professional to be paid or unprofessional enough to to come in this attitude or in this you know even if it's a it's a club game and we don't get paid to do it, but still the attitude of being professional, you know towards uh, towards your teammates. Yeah, about you, Tooms. Have you ever have you ever had that sort of mentality with your training? And your I've never, like, I've never not? been one to drink before a game. Never. 
Like uh, the, the only way I okay. can. All right. Whenever you have, say, like a work social or something, and it's always on a Friday night, uh, you know, I've never, I've always had to be like, oh, no, I'm not drinking type thing. You know, I've got a game tomorrow. Okay. Um, so no, I've never really okay. been one for like that. Um, I just can't, I can't. Like, obviously, you have your seven. If I go on like a sevens weekend or something like that, then you know, then it's like, you know, all bets are off. But you know, for a serious game, I just, I just can't. Even eating. So yeah. My worst thing is something I realized kind of later in years. If I eat too much before a game, yep, I feel horrendous. I just feel it on me. So if I eat like a lot the night before, I just, I wake up and I just like, oh, I wish I didn't eat that. Yeah. Even, even though feel you heavy. might need to eat for the energy, I'd rather eat less and feel get a light tight feeling when you kind of the next day it's hard when you're on hard when you're on tours and yeah you've got you know all these um buffet every bloody night in a hotel <laughs> uh, you, yeah 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 well, especially, especially if you have me mate you know what i'm like down at a buffet hummus um, hummus yeah think hummus. So that, that would almost think, that I would think... almost that would that would affect me so much more than if i just had a couple of beers Right. Okay. Okay. I get what you're saying. And, and I think for the for the whole energy thing, you know, you know, even if you don't eat that much the night before, like d- game day with all the everything that's going on with adrenaline and uh, you don't really need to eat. And even if you're like half time, you haven't got that much energy. There's always like sweets or lollies in the changing room or chocolate bars where you could just like, okay, that would just give that would just get me through for the next 40, 40 minutes. You don't need like six plates no, of pasta. Not to get marathon, through, like, like, I mean, a lot of people think the, the work's done in the, in the week building yeah. up or all your training building up to that. I mean, just the night before, just get some decent nutrition in there. You don't need to like carbo load or anything. Yeah, yeah like six bars of protein and that's yeah. it. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying to influence some, uh, <laughs> yeah. some right. youngsters uh, here, okay? <laughs> yeah, just not just youngsters. We've got millions of followers, Mark. We're big, we're big time. We're going to make you famous now on Instagram. You're going to have to start blocking your kids' faces just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrity. Um, yeah, Toons, Toons what, what, I think I know you had a couple of questions that you wanted to uh, say as well. That well, we one, one of those was just, well, I think Mark's pretty much gone through it about how much he got involved with the Federation before and what he thinks about yeah. how... So, what, yeah, Mark, how, what, what kind of, how much involved did you get with the Federation before and... What would you? What do you think needs to be done now to help build and develop yeah. like rugby in Lebanon? All right, I know you've got opinions on it. Yes. Um, well, I did get a lot involved, uh, especially in training. Well, uh, training the academy. We had. We I used to train with Karim as well. Uh, some the girls, the boys, the schools, universities. Uh, we used to prepare tournaments uh, as well. Um, I mean. I just want to go back to one one uh, one point regarding the t- the ki- the teenagers or the the youngsters, uh, the guys who are coming up. Honestly, I mean, throughout the years, I've seen some. First of all, I've seen some big guys, way bigger than me, and you know, and they were like much much younger. They were probably in sixteen, seventeen years old, and I just asked them, "What do you guys eat? I mean, what do you guys eat these days?" And they were super skilled, especially those uh, players who come from handball. Uh, sports they have fantastic mm. hands unbelievable hands unbelievable uh, uh, foot foot skills or footsteps uh, but then again you always um, sidesteps whatever you want to say but then again you always unfortunately you, you just lose those players a lot of them just go disappear you know 
we keep telling them, you know, if you love the game, stick around, learn it. You will get involved in a lot of nice tournaments. Um, I mean, for the Federation, I, I used to also work in the back office as a development uh, officer. Um, I was assisting uh, Steve uh, Rigglesworth um, by developing rugby in Lebanon. Um, obviously, the most important, I would say, uh, education in schools. Um, it's, it's very, very important. When I say education in schools, I mean not only training programs. I mean, we need to have like a monthly seminars, you know, going, having regular meeting with the, with the schools, um, seeing what percentages are, are interested, what are the parents' comments uh, on such a sport, um, having to, you know, some PowerPoint presentations, maybe with or without the parents, I'm not sure what, what's better, what's best, because obviously a lot of parents are entrepreneurs or, uh, you know, might know someone. So sponsorship, uh, I've heard you guys speak in other podcasts about sponsorship. It's definitely uh, a key to any sport. Um, sponsor, you know, if one sponsor is involved, another sponsor will be encouraged to be involved. And sponsors need to understand, and this is something very important, is it's not about, it's not about what you get. It's, a, it's about social responsibility. So it's not always, okay, if I put in, let's say, this X amount of money, what I'm going to get in return. All right? They need mm. to also understand that there is a social responsibility. You make money from people buying your services or your product, but you also need to put money back into the society, you know, in order to have kids involved in sports, getting out of drugs, alcohol, uh, uh, politics, uh, you know, fights, I don't know, burglary, bad stuff. Yeah, I know you're right. You're no the 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 way your way of thinking yes, is wrong. correct. And I, we've we've talked about it on the podcast before. You know, it's it you could but the, 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 it's not from my point of view. I don't want to you know be around the same drum over and over again. But I think the most important thing is yes, sponsorship is important. You're right, sponsorship is Any, important. But plan. if you've got a million dollars in sponsorship, yeah, exactly. but you've got the wrong and you've got the wrong people, the wrong people. Of course, on the ground doing the work, the money, the money is useless. The number one thing that you can need to do in Lebanon rugby yeah. for development is having the right people because the money is like, for example, I, I don't know, if, I've said it on the podcast before. For example, hypothetically, so I so I put forward to put myself as the elite player development program, which means that I would develop a program for the under 16s, under 18s, under 20s, men and women. Okay, what I would do, I'd work with schools, I'd do uh, once a month, I'd have the best players at under 16s, 18s and under 20s and women's once a month, we'll do a two day session. So once a month, I always gather the same a group of players based on what I, I go to each school, visit them, see how they play, develop, blah, 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 pick them out once a month, do a two day session, work on skills, video analysis, blah, blah. And we do that throughout the year. Okay, that was my initial plan. It didn't work out for whatever reason it did. But another thing that you could do, we can break it down financially. Like, for example, say I wanted to go to Lebanon once every three months, so four times a year, once every three months for one week. For that one week, I do five days of training. Monday, Tuesday, okay. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's it. I would, whether it's the under-20s or whether it's the women or both. I could do under-20s from 5 o'clock till 7, women from 7.30 till 9.30, hypothetically, for one week. Do that four times a week. How much does it cost for me to fly to Lebanon? 
Okay, on average throughout the year, if it's four times a year, on average, you're probably looking at $500. Okay, 500 times four, you're talking $2,000. Okay, how much is the field? Say $50, $60 a day. Time, okay, so five days a week, that's 300 Times 12, times four times a year, how, how much is that? 1200 Now we're up to 3200 So for, with $3,200, you could have a whole year's pro- development program done. You don't need millions of dollars. You don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars. $3,200, yeah. you can have someone come coach the, play, coach the, the development under-20s team or women's team every three months, one week, do a hardcore, I mean... intense national session four times a year. It's such an easy budget to do. But the, it's, if the people on the ground don't believe in it, or they don't think, oh, that person should do it. Or probably they're just old school and, you know, they're, it's not, never gonna they're work. not, you know, up to the level of the, the game these days and, the, and the, you know, the speed of the game, maybe. Yeah, I understand what you're getting. I agree. I know, I agree. And, you know, obviously, I don't want to yeah, name do. people's names and throw people under the bus, but, you know, it's. I do and I don't. You know, I want to be, I want to be a credible. Incredible podcast. Do, do you, um, do you yeah. remember? So I think part of the problem is, is there, is there even 3,000, you know? I mean, you know, it doesn't take a lot, but it needs something. Uh, okay, so not, so, no one's okay, going to work for that. 3,200. That's, that's assuming okay, let, someone's let's look at, doing it. Hold on. No, yeah, I know no, you're saying, saying you, but I'm saying you, me particularly. I mean, say me to say. Somebody, isn't it? Oh, no, hold on. It, hold on. Hold, no, because it's someone coming from London. That 3,200 was based on if I flew mm. to London, flew to Lebanon from London. It would be, the price would be different if it was in Lebanon. Instead of paying 500 every three months for flights, you could pay someone 500 every three months who's based in Lebanon. That's not a problem. I was only, I just used that, that equation based on me. But even that 3,200, say the under 20s, you got 30, 30 players. Say the women's, you got about 20 players. So you got a total of mm. 50. 50 players, right? If each of them contribute fifty dollars a year, fifty dollars a year for their like you know towards their development program, okay. Would, would, can we do that though? Because we say this, I mean, we, we struggle to get people to pay yeah, their like membership. No, hold on. How do you think for two years in Lebanon I could charge? We we pay we pay in UAE around five hundred dollars, five hundred fifty dollars a year uh, on membership. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I get I it. Know, I know. I agree. But, but no, he's asking specifically pay. to Lebanon, and I answered him. I, I, I could, I could. I know. I agree. But I'm saying, I could get, get I could charge that one twenty, one fifty, because people believe people, especially the young kids, wanted to develop. They wanted to learn, yeah, so they were willing to pay. I'm just and playing devil. I'm women. just playing devil's advocate. And quite here, frankly, that is well, people paying for a rugby academy, isn't it? That's not. That's not coming from development from rugby if I go to a if I go pay you to send my child to a rugby academy here it's not being run by the RFU we're talking about no, what I Lebanon what rugby saying. can do but for example if you if okay okay yeah no I understand what you're saying but every federation even the RFU they ha- each player even premiership players they have to pay mm. a yearly yeah, uh, yeah that's yearly what I'm talking fee, about memberships they? From what I understand, I mean, yeah, I might be wrong. Exactly. But from what I understand, you know, it's hard to even just get that from everyone. It's hard to get. 
it's hard to be honest. It's hard to get from the older people, the the senior rugby men. From junior rugby, I've never struggled to get it. For mm. junior, because the kids they get their money from their exactly. parents, and the parents want them to do school. Exactly. You know, if you're 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, pa- parents are pushing exactly. the kids in, out Just of the don't house. Just come home. Get off don't the come iPad. Home. Go play football. Go play basketball. Play play rugby. And the difference is basketball academies or football academies or football camps and that. They charge like three hundred mm. for the month, and it's like once a week. You know, you know, they they charge even more. Like it's the the the, the way people the way people charge for football academies and basketball is much more than yeah, what you pay I, for. I for agree with you. With a, you know, like a rug, rugby academy, that's fine. But they're, that, they're, that's not going to no. be run by Lebanon rugby. No. I I understand, but but I'm saying, for example, say that squad of. 30 players for the under-20s or the women's squad or wherever. You know the core number of people yeah. that you know you, you want yeah, yeah. from the under-20s and the women. You know that core group. And you say to them, listen, we're, we're doing, for the next year, we want to do this program where we bring over, say, Kareem, for example. Bring over Kareem. Just, just a random name a in the hat. Every three Kareem, months, he's going to come name. for a week and do five... Cause, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm using me as an example. No, because I'm the only one who's willing to do it. He's putting my hand up for doing it, all this. Um, it's going to cost you girls um, $50 for the year cost you boys $50 for a year which if they do those 50 people that's 2500 that means the federation has to come up with $700 for the year like I'm sorry but if an international federation can't come up with $700 over 12 Mm. months to cover the cost of their development program for under 18s 20s and women's rugby that's different paying a coach to run an under 20s Lebanon Academy like that's different Uh, people but, but no, I, mean, I know no, I'm saying, I'm not, I'm saying that, I'm that point's valid, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm not, you shouldn't have to get oh, yeah, of course. all yeah. the under-20s kids to pay $100 to come to a Lebanon under twenty training. That's what I'm saying. Mm. I agree. If they want to do I a rugby agree. academy, it's it a, was $100, a, but I'm saying even $50 for the year. Of that and they want to pay that, then absolutely fine. But that's, 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 that's not affiliated to Lebanon rugby. That, and that's what... That, that, you know, that's what Steve and Sol said to me originally. That you know, when they said no to my program, they said just do it for because we can't afford it. Just do your own academy, and I was reluctant to do that because when you're doing the academy and you're charging people for the academy, all of a sudden mm-hmm. players have a, a sense of entitlement mm-hmm. because they're paying for your services, sort of thing. Whereas what I wanted, I wanted to do a national setup. So when I picked the player to come join. It's because he's one of the best and it's a privilege for him to be there. Mm. He's not there because he's able to pay the fees and he should be getting best coaching or this and that. That's what I wanted to get away from. That's why I didn't do the academy after I came up with this program. Elite, I didn't as want you to said. do it. Mm. I, wanted to do, I wanted to be yeah. a part of the federation. So I can see. Yeah, but that, yeah, that exactly. would take somebody. I mean, it's not full time for Lebanon Rugby. That's not a full time job, is it? That's somebody doing what, two, two evenings a week or something? You, no, yes. Yeah. Do you, do yes, you remember, right. yeah. uh, out of subject, do you remember, um, out of subject, do you remember that time in Dubai when we uh, we played in the final and we received our uh, trophies from Richie McCall? That was, that was some really nice, that was a really nice yeah. tournament, really nice days. They used to get... <laughs> way, way, to break, way to break the ice, Mark. I remember, I didn't, I didn't know it was him until we got the... No, but... I didn't even know it was him until I shook his hand at the top. But I was walking up the stairs. Yeah. This guy handed me the medal, and I looked at his face, and I was like, yeah, "I thought." And I was just like, "Jesus!" His chest came out to his fucking. His chest nearly hit me in the face. 
massive. He's not man. big, but he's not oh, big guy, but he is wasn't he? tall. Well, he wasn't. He was probably like he's probably like How six. How old were you? Yeah. He's like six. No, he's like six two, but his chest was just huge. Yeah, maybe. So I was like, yeah, I was young, so I was like 15, 16. <gasps> 16. And I think but, that was the first year he was captain of the All Blacks. Like thick. 2006, but it would have been the year after the Lions. I think that was his first year of uh, captaining the All Blacks, yeah. Uh, Yeah, go. All right. I don't want to cut the podcast short because I'm enjoying it, but my battery is 5 No, no, my battery is 5%. So, do you want to go through the quick fire questions, James, or is there anything you want to discuss? Ah. Because I'm, ha- I'm not at home. I'm in the garden area. Oh, right. I thought you were just... Like, yeah, I'm exactly. not in my house. How far away from home are you? Oh, my God. About a 45-minute walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you haven't got your laptop or anything? I guess you have Yeah, sorry, lads. Yeah. No, nothing. But yeah, no, but no what you could do, yeah, if, yeah. if you want, if I, I, could leave this conversa- I could leave this conversation, Tuma, you send a new link... Yeah. Redo it, do it like continue the conversation. Also, ask well, let's just do it now. And if you're actually going to so they join together, do you want to talk about uh, retirement? Uh, okay. I mean, in- injuries because that's oh, important. See, there's a lot of topics, uh, man. Opinion, there's a lot of topics. Uh, and, uh, and the franchise, Oof. and also build- building bridges, building to... bridges with players. Okay, four topics. I got. Okay, I've got an idea. How about we? Okay, we, and then we do okay, another how one. How about we we put this? We close off mm-hmm. this podcast now. Tomorrow, yeah, do another one tomorrow. We'll finish it off with just another yeah. like an extra fifteen minutes, and then I'll edit them all no together, problem. and then I'll post. Then I'll, I mean, and then I'll post you, this podcast no. tomorrow. It's fine. If you me. guys think that because is I that have good these with you four two? topics, and the, for me, for me, and whoever's gonna listen is very important as well. Yeah, me too. I was me too, man. Why, 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 why do you have to screw anyway? it up, Karim? Why? I'm sitting at home. My phone's on. I know. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. My... Run home? The way I'm running these days, about six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it'll take me about 20 minutes. 25 minutes. Yeah. Unless you want to do what time a is it podcast now? It's again, another like one. Uh, and, you know, highlight um, few few of, I mean, these four. Uh, I don't know how you guys want to do it. You want to continue tomorrow? It's up to you. And I've... Yeah. Yeah, I just said. No problem. No problem. Yeah, so I'm going to cut this you're going to cut this one off. Okay. Tomorrow we'll start again and we'll just join them right. together. So we'll, uh, we'll, together. we'll so talk, we'll discuss the topics before we, uh, we start the podcast, yeah? All right. All right. Thanks, man. Okay, Thanks, all right, sounds good. Okay, okay stay on for two seconds. Okay, see, how do I I'll leave, leave recording, okay? Bye. Okay, go on then. Uh, all right, bye, Mark. Okay, we're back for part two of the podcast with Mark. Um, yesterday we had to cut short because of my technical technical reasons technical mediocre (laughs) preparation with my battery but we're back now Um, Mark's just put his son to bed so thanks for joining us again Marco yes thanks for having me again thank you no problem no problem no problem All right, we're going to get into it because obviously we don't want the podcast to be a six hour podcast so we'll get straight into it with the you know finishing topics that we want to discuss so 
you know, the obviously you just yesterday you discussed how you know you were part of the federation, you worked there a little bit. Um, so obviously we're now named as the Phoenix in terms of our national team um, yes. and our federation. What what do you think are the the steps that we need to take for Lebanon rugby to grow, um, for us to progress in the international scene or domestically? What do you think we need to do? Um... I mean, obviously, I'd like to re-emphasize on the word plan, what you, what you in, in said yesterday. And, I mean, definitely uh, um, um, money or sponsorship is important. But then, again, when you get, give money to a person who doesn't know how to, how to use it, they're going to just waste it and, and not use it in the proper place. So, obviously, planning, and I agree 100% with you on that point. Uh, on who's behind that? Honestly, I've, I've been out of the Federation since 2013, so... Since I came to Dubai, I'm not aware of how they're doing things. But, mm. uh, you know, building bridges um, uh, with players, um, a lot of, most of us, you know, study, work. Some of us have, have our own businesses. Uh, uh, and then what is the federation doing with these players that leave or serve the federation? And then, you know, they come from different countries. What are they doing? Are they keeping this, you know, relationship with them? Are they... Because in the end, these players can be ambassadors to the, to, the, to the federation, to the game itself, and to the brand, you know, the franchise, the Phoenix. We are, you know, we are part of promoting and, you know, finding whatever sponsors or, you know, finding, like you guys live in, you live in the UK. You know, you have a lot of coaches there who would maybe want to come and do a, you know, a, a, a formation or what do you call it, a, 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 um, like a workshop, if you want to say. So if 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 you are on bad terms with the federation, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna be pushing. I'm not saying the federation as a whole. Maybe certain people inside the federation representing the federation. They don't, yeah. don't get me wrong when I say the federation. Not everybody in there. Are, yeah. You know are are um, you know bad people or we're not on good terms with them. Whatever you want to say. So I would say definitely building bridges, keeping that good relationship with the players that serve that federation. And remember, Karim, I mean, you know, I know, Joe knows, but the people listening, not all of them know that we never get paid to do what we used to do. We used to travel. You remember, we used to travel. We used to take time off from our jobs. Sometimes we had to pay a full ticket. Sometimes the federation would pay the full ticket. Sometimes we'll pay half the ticket. So all of that time and money we both put in, you know, we, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be, uh, it's like a relationship, you know, you can just not just break it. You know, there should, they're always nice to be a, a, a uh, you know, a friendship somehow, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I see your point. I get that. Um, okay, so for example, with your, regarding yourself, you obviously, like, we, like we've established yesterday, you've been around... Lebanon rugby since the beginning. Since you've been around in be- rugby in Lebanon since 2005, you've been, you were part of the first ever international game in 2010. So you've yeah. been around for over 15 years in Lebanon <clears throat> rugby. You've yeah. you've been there from the start. Now it's no secret, obviously, between us that you've obviously you know have some not personal issues, but you don't like a few things how things have been going on with yourself and selection over the last couple of years. What would you what what would you want as in for, in terms of building bridges, for you to get back into, you know, be standing up for Lebanon rugby and going to people saying, you know, get involved in Lebanon rugby. It's a good organisation. What do you need? What do you want in return? 
I mean, I don't want to go to people. I want to go to my son. You know, that's the that's the most important. I want to go to my son and and say, you know, once upon a time I was I was there and I've done it. You know, and I want you to do it. You know, I want you to be part of Lebanon. I want you to carry the flag. I want you to, you know, to be proud of of representing your country, because sports, any sports, make you love your country more, respect others. Uh, yes, I've had issues. Um, uh, you know, you, there are two ways of retiring. You can retire from playing for the national team, but and also you can retire from getting involved in in the the whole federation. So I, I obviously I retired from playing for the national team, and it wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, it was a bit, very bitter uh, 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 you know experience for those who don't know. Uh, mm. But also, I'm not involved in the federation at all. So I would love to be involved. I would love to, you know, some have like a maybe I don't know once every month a call uh, with the federation through you know through Skype or Zoom and and you know try to discuss and and see how can I franchise the the federation here in the UAE, which is quite close to us. You know, probably uh, assemble or get some clubs to go over to Lebanon and play and prepare the national team before they travel. Something like that, you know, you know, make uh, create some tours between UAE, a uh, few clubs over here, send them to Lebanon. Something. I, like I, that. I I I understand what you're saying. I I get that. But who would call you from Lebanon? Is there someone in particular you want someone to call you once a month? Because I mean, for example, what you're what you're suggesting is basically what John Abisad did at the beginning. He was in Australia, yeah. or Box, for example, at the very very beginning. Box, for example, who was in contact with my dad and he was like my dad was like okay well you're in australia fish around for boys who are lebanese yeah, you're interested in something getting involved like that, in lebanon yeah. rugby is that what you want is that something yeah. that you want to get involved in of course feel feel I, like feel but mark like for example i don't think you need a special call or a special title to do that because like for example someone like Firas. Yeah. Firas has been you know Firas sends an email every now and again he says I've, I've played against this guy he's got Lebanese descent and Correct. I think you guys should have a look at him or Ben Abud would be like oh I found this guy this guy yeah. um, you know he's Lebanese Correct. and he's, he's he's interested and he said they send an email to Steve or whoever's involved and it says listen here's this guy now you do what you want to do and they have that relationship so you know if you if you're out and about and you're watching games and you're watching or you're playing in games and you see someone who's got some Lebanese, Lebanese heritage, for sure, you know, even if you've got bad blood with certain people in the Federation, those, those, those people don't make the Federation. The oh, Federation yeah. is, its, is its legacy. So you, you go up to those people anyway and say, listen, you know, have you ever thought about getting involved in Lebanon rugby, blah, blah, blah. And you move on from there. You yeah, know? I mean, in terms of in terms of setting up matches, like getting a team from Dubai to come to Beirut to play a game, obviously that goes in a lot more logistical stuff. Where correct. you know, uh, where it takes a little bit more planning. But just for like people getting involved, Lebanese and stuff, hey, you just you don't need a permission to do that. You just do that on your own. Go out and meet, like you know, the, the Lebanese all tend to stay together, don't they? I'm sure there's a little com- community. Yeah. And- you see a name as soon as you see someone. No, obviously. You meet a friend and you meet a friend of a friend and it's like, oh, he plays rugby actually. Oh, obviously. I mean, there was also one player here. He was a prop and I was, his name is Eli. And I introduced him to the to Alex and the Federation. And, uh, you know, no, obviously because in the end I'm not selfish. I want I want these guys who are Lebanese and would can pre- represent their country, you know, to, to be able to do yeah, that. Props. I'm just saying, Rose, cool. I'm just saying when you have... 
you know, when you're not on good terms with certain people in the Federation, the, the communication becomes hard. You know, they're like boundaries somehow. If, so that, that's what I meant to say, you know. Uh, no, you, I, you're right. I agree with you. For, I agree with you 100% with that. You know, I've had my fallings out with certain people and those people are in key positions, positions where yeah. if you want things to change in the Federation, you have to go through them. Exactly. It's hard if you have a bad relationship with them. So, yeah, yeah I get your point. I get your point. You know, retirement, uh, you know, that had... Retirement itself is something very <laughs> difficult, but... Isn't that what we have a board for? That it's not just one person can dictate it. You go, you present it to the board, like they make someone present it to the board and then it gets voted on. Like, why would it matter if you've just got a bad personal relationship with one person? Maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not a question for people here who can't answer it, but oh. it shouldn't be that way. Even if it, even if it is, or we feel like it is, it shouldn't be. But then again, I mean, going back to the previous discussion we had, uh, planning, you know, can even emphasize on that one. If there is not proper planning, proper vision, then there was a time where they said they didn't want to have players from outside the Lebanon. I, that's what I heard. I'm not sure if that's correct or not. But then again, if I if I if that's a vote that they take and the whole board you know, yeah. unanimously votes on it, then that's just something. That's yeah, but I'd yeah. have, have to swallow up and take. Yeah, but Joe, how many times? Okay, let's talk about the two tournaments. Two tournaments that happened in Lebanon. You know, mm. both of them, I couldn't be there. One for paper reasons, visa reasons. The other one was for my uh, ACL injury. But mm. when there is a tournament in Lebanon, you see huge numbers, you know, putting their hands up. But when there is a tournament outside Lebanon, when it comes to paying and, you know, traveling and taking time off, those hands just suddenly drop. I mean, I don't see anything wrong okay. with having people coming from outside Lebanon because... No, nor do I. W- but I'm just, all I'm saying is if they decide yeah. that, like... Like like Wales do it, like New Zealand. Do yeah, it, everybody's like doing it. Do it. Yeah, if if they decide that, I I don't think it's the right thing to do because there's a lot of Lebanon's not you know we've not got enough players to exactly. do that. Exactly. But if that's the decision they take and they think it's best, then what it is, in my opinion, would be that it's not that way. Yeah. So um, so there was different different opinions at the time. They were saying no players from outside, then they're saying they want players from outside. But then again, you know, when you have, again, when you have certain people in the Federation that, you know, uh, took, take decisions, uh, then you feel like you're out. You're like, uh, it's hard maybe because you guys never, maybe Karim faced that, Joey never did. But, you know, you guys know what happened with me last year and how the retirement went. And so it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a bit, it's a bit hard to swallow, honestly, and, and get over it that easily. That's it. Mm. But it wouldn't have affected you anyway. Or I'm not sure what the plan was, but I thought if you were born or raised in Lebanon or something, it wouldn't affect you. Or was it literally if you're not living in Lebanon? No, Lebanon? no, yeah. I think so. I think the plan, I'm not sure if Karim can answer that. Um, I think. I, I, I've, they've always said they want to get to a point where they have a national team of made up of players who are all based in Lebanon. Yeah. But, it's never going to be. It's never going to. It's not going to happen anytime soon because we just hope we don't have. It, it's not like we don't have twenty-five players. We have obviously uh, like hundreds of players that can play. But you, have you got twenty-five players at that level? No. Simple as that. So I think then it got that. Then they changed their plan of okay, of a squad of twenty-five, we want the majority to be Lebanese-based. So yeah. you want at least thirteen of the twenty-five to be you know from Lebanon and the rest from and overseas. Then... And then, yeah. then, then you re- then you got to look at then they then they said well those other t- eleven players who are overseas, 
who do we pick from? Well, there's probably about 12 or 13 of those players from overseas players who are good enough and they deserve to be there. So then they said, okay, maybe we just split it half-half. And then, so there was always, like, every every decision or every year exactly. changes because, you know, every year we bring on someone new from overseas and then all of a sudden they're in, irreplaceable, you know. It's, like, you know, for example... Let's look, look. Let's look at last year with the in Qatar, for example, like um, Tanous. Now, this obviously, I'm not going to say anything bad about Tanous. I love the guy. For example, like Ben sent a, 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 an email to Steve, and he was like, "Listen, I have got this guy from Australia. He's good. He's you know he he's, he can handle himself." Steve was like, "Okay, great. You know, have you got f- footage?" So he sent the footage to Steve and, you know, and so I asked Ben, I was like, oh, send it me. Tell me what you got. I was like, he was like, yeah, cool. So he sent it me. It was like a 30 second clip. It was a 30 second clip. He, I think it was like him running with the ball three times. Um, I think he, he made two or three tackles and that's it. You know, just it, it was like a 30 second highlight reel. Then when I, when I spoke to Steve on the phone, he was like, oh, I just saw this video, mate. The guy looks class, man. Unbelievable. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Like, really good. I'm just there, like, well, you haven't seen anything of the guy. Like, you haven't seen – what if he's a flanker? Have you, have you seen him around the rook? Have you seen him in a full match? You can't do anything off a 30-second clip, especially when it's just him running with the ball. You know, it should be, you know, you know ask for full game footage. Ask, I want to see a full 80-minute game. Show me an 80-minute game where you – then you can watch him around the field and see what he's like. And it was the fact that, oh, because he's Australian, he'll probably be a little bit, he'll be good. Now, it turns out, Canusa was a good player. And obviously, there's no regrets of bringing him in. But, you know, taking that risk just because he's Australian or taking that risk just because he's French or taking that risk just because he's English is harsh on a lot of people in Lebanon. And I understand that frustration, um, you know, it, especially if it's based on a 30-second clip. Um, so... I think there is some, you know, you know, due diligence that needs to be made in terms of. But I can understand the reasons behind it. I mean, you need to you need to balance you need to balance it up. I mean, if I was a player in Lebanon and you play week in week out, and then suddenly, exactly, and suddenly you've got no motivation to go any better because you know a load of foreign players are going to come in and take your place, then it's just going to demotivate you and you'll you'll stop playing in Lebanon. But if if there is you know, I would mind the majority rule or something like that because then it gives people an incentive, but then you're also getting a good balance of uh, of uh, you know ability on the field. And to be honest, I think even on ability, fifty percent of you know majority or whatever is still um, is still going to be one our best squad. Plus, so you still got to keep that. You also unless it's not, we're not going for a World Cup, are we? Let's face it. You know, we all, we'd all be yeah. a bit selfish because we want to be there and we'd be devastated if we were pushed out for someone local players but as a, as a kind of wider picture thing I think some level of something needs to be done if we were going for like a World Cup and it was a real oh, okay oh no but I understand where you're coming from but from a player's point of view from a captain's point of view when we go to these international tournaments we have one international tournament a year in 15s we get two games a year as 15s correct that's all yeah. we get we don't play multiple tests. We don't exactly. play 10 tests a year. Where we've got we've got time to rotate players. Blah, blah, blah. We don't. So from my point of view, I want to send our best team. Yeah, 
I, and I, I want to send our best squad, and that's I'm it. And I, because I want to win. I know. I get what you're saying, and, I, and I I'm also to... just giving you. I'm um, I'm giving you both points yeah. of view as well. So my point is, I just want to win. I want the best team. Now, for yeah. example, like like that example I just gave you with Tanus. Now, from if I was coach, I'll sit back and be like, okay, well, who, what players? Do I have a do I have a, a an understanding of key positions and who I want to start in key positions? For example, obviously Kareem, he's the captain. He'll probably be starting at ten, most likely. You got someone like Ben Abu, he's probably going to be at fullback. You got Tarek's going to be number one. You got Tumors at number eight. You've got you know you want Fifi at six or you know or second row somewhere around there. You want you know you know. Uh, if you can choose, you want Rohan at two. If you can, you Bob at six or seven. You know, you know the key people that you want. You know, you definitely want in that position, and that's as a starting squad. And then you say, okay, who do you want to cover those people in certain positions? You got this guy. You got this guy. You got this guy. And then you say, okay, well, where are we? Where are we weak? Okay, say we're weak at the flanker. Okay, who we got in Lebanon? Okay, say we got Camille. Okay, well, he's coming back from injury. How is he feeling? He's 50-50. Okay, and then, okay, let's look at the wider scope. People that's been around the Federation before. Okay, you got Frank. You got Mark. Okay, well, we know how they are. We know that what they're like. We know their strengths and the weaknesses. You know, what type of game plan do we want to play? Do they fit in? And that's what should be the choice around players that we've seen. The, the, what was, what's strange is every year, it's like, oh, I got this guy. Here's 30-second clip. Let's bring him involved. And it turns out 95% of the time, he's a good player. But it's that, it's that risk. It's that risk that it's not fair. It's, but I understand it. So if, from a coaching perspective, I'd rather have picked the best squad of players that I know right now mm. and keep that squad for the next three or four years. And if, for example, Ben calls tomorrow and says, I've got this guy, he is unbelievable, he's great. You know, from a head coach point of fact, I'd be like, right, okay, he must be good. All right, fine. But we've got our core players that we want to grow into a squad for the next couple of years. If he's interested, let him fly to Lebanon for a couple of weeks. Let him train with a few with a lads in the with one of the clubs. Play a couple of games, and we see how he is in a full match, not just highlights. Now, if a guy really wants to play for his country, he'll do that. You did that. Saliba did that. Mark put Mark would put it in a shift in Jad last year. Jad last year or the year before, he was busy with work and everything. He flew to Beirut on the thir- on the Friday night, played on the Saturday, flew back on the Sunday, just so he could be seen in front of John and Steve before ARC. Like even though they know Jad, they know what he's like, they know his strengths and weaknesses. But he did it because he wanted to make an extra step. Now coming from Australia is a little bit further than coming from Dubai. I understand, but you came from England, so did Saliba. Frank came from from America. You know, people's come from all over the world, so it's it's only fair that if you want to be a part of the squad, you've got to can't you can't just be, depend on one clip of video to get you in. Especially if you want to if you want to try and build a squad, because then you start getting resentment when you just keep getting new players in every year. But I actually think that's why um, the Hawkers done properly would be a good idea. It's a good way to tap right. into a source of talent, but it's also a way. Where you know the coach of that team, whatever could be, a, could be feeding back people information and go, okay, I've got this kid. He's of the standard. He's he committed to coming to the Hawkers and putting something into Lebanon rugby. So 
let's give him a shot because let's face it, it's, plus, it's not a move to come and fly for a weekend. Plus, plus, there is something else I wanna I wanna highlight here is that. You know, throughout the years, I mean, I was lucky enough to start the first squad uh, with you, Karim. And throughout the years, we've seen a lot of players come and go. Those who just come for one or two games and, you know, and then they disappear. And those who stick around and be committed like Joe and uh, Tarek and, uh, you know, Thomas, Ray, Asfour and the rest of the people that uh, we know. Um, yeah, it makes a difference. I mean, it makes a difference. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm absolutely wrong on this one, and, and maybe sometimes we disagreed me and you uh, uh, on it. But uh, there will there there's always a way out. I mean, in the end, yes, you do leave, you do retire from the federation, and it's definitely it's very 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 difficult, especially to people who have been around for quite a long time. I I do believe there should be a better way of. Exiting, if if I'm not mistaken, and a better way of exiting, a, a more understanding, or a better, if you want, uh, negotiation, or I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how to say it. It's, there should be a better way, a more professional way of of exiting. Uh, from a plane, yeah, point of view? yeah, yeah, yeah. From a time, it it shouldn't just happen like okay, you don't get selected, and then the next year you get called, you know. And then when you go when you go on a I, mean, no, I agree with you, Fred. To be fair, when you go, like you should, you shouldn't be owed a no, but you know, I, a game just just for the sake of being retired. No, I just said I just said that certain players who come and go, they come for once and leave. They just want to play one one game or two games for the for the national team. It's very different than players who have been there for ten, eight, ten, nine years, whatever. You know the whole the whole amount of years playing sevens, fifteens. When you know when those players when those players leave or when they want to exit, whether it was me or whether it's gonna be you one day or uh, I don't know if Karim is is or it's gonna be Karim or whoever that person is, there should be more of a um, I don't know better exit if I'm if I'm not mistaken, a kind of a of a mutual uh, exit if I'm not wrong. Don't agree. I, I, I think I, if I knew yeah. I was retiring and I told people I was retiring, then yeah, maybe let me walk out first in front of the team or let me. So, Tuma, sorry, sorry, to are, are you eating, yeah. pal? Yeah. Yeah, mate, it's ridiculous. The last two <laughs> or three minutes. Like, for example, you're literally. The podcast is literally one hour. That's all, lad. You, you hold like, it off. Like, hold like it for off. example, just to, we don't want to dwell too much on this subject, but let's say. Tuma, you decided, for example, that next year you're going to have your last tournament and you want to leave. Or maybe, you know, maybe there is a replacement for you or you're on the bench. So you will start feeling it, you know. You won't be starting the game. You'll be on the bench. And then maybe yeah. maybe there will be a conversation one-on-one with the coach and say, Tuma, listen, you know, we have new lads coming in. They're putting in the shift, blah, 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 blah. And we think that, you know, this will be your last tournament or next year will be your last tour. And we were we were happy to have you on board and blah 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 blah, you know. But not just suddenly, yeah. oh, don't call you and not put you on the squad, and you have no idea. Or when you come to to retire on your last tour, you don't get to play, you know. That's what I'm trying to say: is having a more respectful exit, you know. Having respect is different. It's not up to the coach to retire you. The coaches pick players, the best the best players or the best players he's allowed to pick. Yes. When they're available and they're fit, it's not. It's, if 
you told them this is going to be my last time, then yeah, let's have a big send off. Like I said, let you walk, let you walk out first in front of the team. Everyone give you a, a guard of honor off the pitch, whatever. But if, if it's, then you, it's not going to be the coach's decision because he doesn't know. And then you get to play. Year, he has he has an in, let me finish. He has an injury of four or five back row players, and he needs to call upon you. Yeah, you, you might feel that is ah oh, he, he's only picking me because his injuries, but. He's picking you because that's what's available. But on the contrary to that, if he's not picking you and you are and you have been a good servant to the team, then you definitely get owed a phone call of why you're not picked. And if that's not happening, then that's a different story. Yeah, definitely, that's not happening. That never happened anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I don't want the same what happened to me. And you know that you know I was planning. I mean, uh, the last last year in Qatar. I mean, you know, Karim knows, but we want the people who are listening to also know uh, that. You know, when when you are on your last tour, you you just wanna. It's it's a very tough, it's a very emotional roller coaster. Uh, you know, you wanna be there, but at the same time, you don't wanna be there because nobody likes to retire, especially from a game they love. So I mean, not getting to play, you know, for one minute in your last game, it's a bit harsh. It's a bit it's a bit bad decision uh, from a coach. And honestly, I don't want this to happen to anybody else uh you know in the federation or in the in the national team it's it's unfair yeah, that, yeah. That, that's a bit of a different story as well if we're, if we're winning a game and you're on the bench and you're not being put on and you know it could be they know it could be a last game they're not going to give you a few minutes at the end just to finish off then that's a bit different as well so but if it's a, yeah if it's a tight game and it could go either way and the coach feels that what well, the best team on the field at that time is and that's a different story as well well what do you think Kareem? When you have an experienced player, you know, I mean, uh, knowing that player, how he plays. And yeah. I don't think it's a very hard decision to put him yeah, in for uh, a few uh, minutes at his final game. Yeah. Talking about a specific I, I, I understand, decision. I understand. Like, in, in yeah. general, you can't generalize that people should have a send-off for the sake of it. That If you're taking a specific decision on it by itself, then, yeah, that's just a, a coach's decision that, like, we would discuss with about Eddie Jones not putting a player on or anyone. That's just that's just having an opinion about a coach's decision. You know, it's uh, you know it's very it's very rare, Mark, that any player in any sport gets to leave on their own terms. Especially a game like rugby, where it's it's very cutthroat and injuries can happen any time. I you know how many players do you know? How many players do you know at an international level that retired completely on their own terms the way they wanted to do it? Maybe, what, what, Richie McCaw retired as a captain, winning the World Cup. Leaves there. Dan Carter leaves as a World Cup winner. Great. But also in that World Cup in 2015, there was was people like Liam Messon, who didn't even make the squad. And he wasn't his. That was his last, last campaign for New Zealand. There was other players that they know they were like Ben Smith in this 2019 World Cup. Yeah. He didn't get it. He didn't play. He wasn't even part of the squad. And they knew he was, that was his last tour. They were like, well, even though he's been a servant for God knows how many years and they put some random, not random, but some new player that they brought into the squad two months earlier to start in a World Cup semi-final. And Ben Squid, Smith didn't yeah. even make the squad. I mean, and I they mean the All Blacks have a very high turnover. But, uh, but it's 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 compared to 
you, I understand. I get what you're saying, but but, but it, you it's you can't just say what well, it's different here, but then it's same here, or it's different there. And you can't you can't pick and choose and how how if international federations do things. It's it's it, it it's I understand it's not easy. Like I, if I was in your but, situation, I'd be devastated. Not because I didn't, I didn't, not because I didn't get, I didn't play in my last game. I'd have been devastated because we were watching the same game. You could have made an impact. Things need to be changed because certain people in certain positions were tired, and things need to have yeah. happened. And you could have got probably, on the pitch because yeah. you could have made a difference. You could have made a difference. I would have been upset from that point of view, not because oh, it's my last game. You couldn't even give me two minutes, like. If he gives me two minutes, he gives me zero minutes. That's international rugby. Yeah, you That's can, rugby. That's you can, you can look at it. In Not that way everyone as well, can play, course. but definitely we don't. But I understand it. Be, uh, I understand your point. I mean, it should not, and it's better not to happen with, with, you know, with other people. It's not an ideal it's situation. Not an ideal. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's not ideal that. for it to happen. Of course, but you know, you can't, you 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 can't protect everybody from it. You know, look at look 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 now. Like for example, Sergio yeah. Parise, you know, captain for Italy for what twelve years, been a, been playing for his country for what fifteen yeah. years, seventeen seasons, God knows how many years since you even before be, Roma. He wanted his last in ever Rome. game against New Zealand. No, in New Zealand yeah. initially. No, initially he wanted to retire mm. at the end of the World Cup. Oh yeah, he wanted yeah, his last yeah, game yeah, against New Zealand. The, what happened? Yeah, the tsunami. The, the tsunami happened, so he couldn't play his last game. Okay. He asked the coaches if he can still get be a part of the Six Nations. So he he said that he would only want to be a part of the home games. He said he wants to be he wants his last game to be at home, the last game of the Six Nations, England versus Italy. What happened? The pandemic happened, and he couldn't play that. It's a hey, it's unlucky. But will he play again now for Italy? No, that's it. He's done. He just has to realize it didn't happen for him. He didn't go out the way he wanted to. Do. Yeah, that's maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for his. It's heartbreaking and yeah. it's devastating, and nobody, nobody wants wanted him to play more than the whole rugby community because he was he's been such a, a big player for Italy rugby and in, and for rugby in general, and no one would have wanted more to have you come on and play that game, us to win it, and give you a guard of honor with you and Bob and everyone else who retired that year clapped you through the tunnel and cheers, had a beer with you and have a good send-off. That would have been the most ideal situation. But it wasn't. It didn't happen. I personally think that you've still got a lot in you. I would still want you to be around another year or two because I think you're still able to give something from an experience point of view, from a, from a work rate point of view and from a, a senior member point of view. I think you've still got a lot to give. I don't think you should be retiring Will you, be so, will you still um, be playing but, <laughs> another you know, year? Yeah. Yeah. Me? Me? Well, I, I've told certain people already, but I, I don't mind saying it now on the podcast for everyone's listening. I've, uh, I sent a, an email to the, the chairman just when the ARC got cancelled. So in February, I told him that, as of now, I will not play for Lebanon rugby ever again if um, yeah. the coaching staff hasn't changed. So, if I play again for Lebanon rugby or captain again for Lebanon rugby, it's not up to me anymore. I've, uh, I've, um, um, I, uh, I, I was talking to Tuma yesterday after we got over the after we finished the podcast with you. I talked to him, and I told him about this one quote that I heard from a friend of mine. And 
it, I, I might be butchering it a little bit now, but the quote is, um, it's from Dante's Inferno. It's um, the, 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 the darkest places of how are reserved for those in times of morality do nothing. Basically, you know, in when there's that when there's a situation where morally something is not going right, those people that just stand by and just say, "Oh, that's someone else's problem. Someone else has to do with it. I'm not going to do it. It's not my responsibility." Someone else, someone else. The deepest parts of hell are reserved for those people. Now, I'm not saying people yeah. need to go to hell. That's a bit of an extreme situation. But I see from a captain's point of view, from a player's point of view, from a point of view who someone who loves. Yep. Who's in love with rugby, in love with Lebanon rugby specifically. It's right. been my life since I'm like, 18 years old. You know, Lebanon rugby has been my life since I was 18 years old. I've been captain since I was 20. So my whole 20s, I've been captain of my national team. You know, my nephew's nine years old. I've been captain since he was before he was born. Like, it, you know, it's, it is my life. But I see something's not right. I see that things are not changing from an international point of view, from a preparation point of view, and things that could have been changed, things that could have been uh, made better. So I can't stand by and let it happen again. I don't want to be a part of it like that. I don't want to go another year and put my blood and sweat, well, not blood because I don't go anywhere near contact, but I don't want to put any sweat or, you know, heartache and passion into something and to be heartbroken again i don't want to do it yeah so i made that judgment from a i did that i made that judgment from a personal level where i said listen if i'm an integral part of the country's uh, national team and i'm an integral part of a, a person in the squad listen to me things need to change or i'll never play that play for lebanon again and do you know what response um, i got take it or leave it exactly what yeah. tuma said um, not a single, not, 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 not a single reply. I sent an email saying, throw my hat in the ring for the captaincy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I hear you. do you know what I mean? So, and I, and I didn't, I didn't do it. So everyone would say, oh yeah, if Kareem's not playing, I'm not playing. Yeah, Kareem's got a point. I want this, this to change. No, this no one reminds knows about me. it. I only know people only people only know about it. Yeah. People only know about it because I'm saying it now. Story, but no one, like the no last one knew about it. I started watching it yesterday, two days ago. <laughs> yeah. You this is what, is what there was a conspiracy. I mean, that's not a conspiracy. Guilty. I mean, the, the 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 GM, you know, the story behind them against the, the GM against the team, and then disagree, and it's it's almost mm. somehow reminds me of uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I understand. So, anyway, we move on. We, we, you know, there was no ARC this year. So the next time there is an ARC is next April or February yep. or any international. It could be October. You never know. And, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully I can be a part of it. Hopefully I can continue representing my country. I feel like I, I can still be an, an important part to the, the national team. So hopefully they they realize that they they would want me around and need me around and, you know, I'm worth it to be around. And if they don't, then they're basically saying, or let, okay, let's have them on the podcast and see what they, what they so, think about it. <laughs> I'm not interested in that. Joy is, Joy is still eating? Not interested. Not interested. No, I'm going to finish. Okay.
Uh, Doesn't take him long. I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, so you yeah. were talking yeah. about your injuries briefly there. Yeah. So you, you know, you've had you, you've done your ACL. Uh, yeah. Stuff yeah, I've had two. I went under the knife twice. Uh, once uh, for a hernia, and uh, the second time for uh, my ACL. And obviously, you know, several um, few calf mm. injuries, few hamstrings. Um, I think probably some of them were lack of uh, proper uh, preparation, like uh, physical training. You know, or maybe uh, ex- exhausted, maybe because I was not giving my my body enough rest. So that uh, that's why I was getting those kind of hamstring injuries. But I want to mm. emphasize more for ever whoever is listening, especially young players, um, uh, or even even senior players. You know, when you get an injury like an ACL, uh, obviously you know that it could be a career-ending injury. I mean, you might not be able to be, to play the same sport that you used to play. But all I want to say that, yes, it's very disappointing. It's a very long way to recover, 9 to 12, 12 months. Uh, and, you know, I just, don't wanna, I just want them to know that nothing is impossible. And if you put your mind and you, you be disciplined with the, with the uh, recovery and you look after yourself, you'll definitely get back. You know, it, it could be a very harsh, difficult obstacle. And it, it, it's possible. I mean, I'm not saying every game you have to get injured. No. It depends on the position you play in. I mean, I'm, I injured my ACL because somebody tackled me on the knee. It was just... Uh, but after I, I got this injury, after playing for 15 years or 14 years. Um, so it was mentally very tough. Very, 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 very tough. Extremely. But this is where you get, you get tempted. You get examined. You know, you, you, you are tested for how mentally strong you are and you want to come back. So... Whoever is suffering an injury out there and plays rugby, uh, don't give up. Uh, you know, you can always recover and come back uh, much stronger even. So that's, that's all I want to say. Yeah. Yeah, but just, just we yeah. just got to put a disclosure in yeah. that we're not doctors. We're not doctors. So <laughs> make sure you Definitely. do speak to yeah, a yeah, doctor you have to. before you go to the training. You know, don't just if you've got a broken leg or a broken neck, no. don't just listen. You to have to go through the protocol. You, you, know? you know, it's uh, probably yeah, go, yeah. go to go to proper. Don't base it on. No, you have to. You have you know, to go, go through a protocol. Do the right you know? thing. And obviously, right you will have if you have somebody like Joao, uh, you will correct. probably strap strap your calf with a second uh, second Joao. grade uh, rupture, and you can play a full eighty minutes. So, <laughs> so no, obviously, what I'm exactly. trying to say is go through exactly. the protocols. If the doctor says nine months, six months recovery, respect that. If he tells you you have to, let's say, exa- uh, uh, do a, a rehab three times a day or two times a day, you know, respect that. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. But don't be devastated that you get an injury, everything is over. No, you can always come back, recover back. That's what I'm trying to say. No worries. Yeah, thanks for that, Mark. Um, to, Tombs, anything you want to say before no, we go through quick fire right. questions? Thank Sorry you guys for having me. It's, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Mark. So we're just going to ask a couple of quick fire questions. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, do you know it's what's coming? Have you been listening with? to the pod? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You, you're not the host. Okay. Relax. Okay, so the, fir- the first double part question is, so who's the best player that you played with and the best player you played uh, against and why? 
I'd like to say the best player I played with is, I mean, uh, it's it's hard to choose one. But the reason why I'm choosing Raymond Asfour is because, um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, look, I you, you are definitely very talented and skilled. Uh, Joe, to, Joe is is definitely the the the, the working horse. Uh, I think he's a winger and. Uh, <laughs> but the reason why I chose Raymond Asfour is, um, is because he had this very strong, stubborn mentality, uh, old school. Uh, you know, we kind of we're the same age and we, we played together for quite a long time. Um, we, we, we travel all the time. So I don't know why, but I think Raymond is, is the guy that I would like to choose. And people know him. I don't want to choose any uh, players that nobody have heard of or, uh, you know. So I'd like to say Raymond. For the players, the best players I, I played against, I would say, um, I don't know, as just every player I played against is, is, a, is a good player. And I, 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 never, <laughs> I, never, under, I never underestimated even anyone. Even, even Georgia uh, Howe. So I would like... And I'm only saying George. I'm only saying Georgia Rahal, by the way, because he listens to Yeah, so that's it. For me, it's, that's, we love that's George. my answer. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. I've actually got one Shoot. question. I've actually got one question. Um, how's, how's your best friend? I mean, friend, uh, we Leach? just we stay in touch on um, on Instagram um, occasionally. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how how okay? So for people that who don't know, Michael Leach is obviously the captain of Japan, and you know he's. Been their captain for a few years. Dubai. How did you meet Dubai. him? How did we, the connection we, we met come in about? Dubai. They were here what playing the the Asian game, the Asian Five Nations um, top division. And uh, what year was that? Honestly, I don't remember. Uh, probably, probably. Oh, and that's then, when Robbie Yule was coaching. Probably, that was at the probably, beginning. Yeah. Two thousand and ten. We became friends, and then. Um, we shared numbers. We we stayed in touch, and then um, we met again in the Asian Olympic Games, and um, yeah, then he, he met my wife, and yeah. that's it basically. And he's he's anyway he's a very he's a very approachable, humble okay. person, and he's he gets along well with everyone. So yeah. Well, that's the na- that's the name of this episode podcast. <laughs> Mark and Michael Leach. That will get some viewers in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He was very generous enough to give us a few jerseys that don't don't fit me at all, except for one. <laughs> yeah. Was that was that for his kid? Yeah. Shoot, shoot the other questions. Jesus. Go on and start with Tatum. Tatum, you. Yeah. Um, what's your least favorite and your well, your worst and your best roommate. I don't know your best roommate is. It's got to be correct. Isn't uh, it? Best roommate. I don't know if I've I've been <laughs> with Karaki before. He's quite, uh, yeah, he's quite clumsy. Uh, and I've been with Jad Hashim before. He's uh, the, I call him the teenager. Uh, quite messy. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've not, I don't know if I've been with Raymond Asfour before. Been with Karim. Uh, quite messy. <laughs> so I would say I would say my worst was probably Jad. Thanks, Mark. Uh, quite messy. 
And I would okay. say Hassan is quite. I remember Hassan. So you want me to give you the worst? Mark. You gave the worst, best uh, the worst uh, uh, roommate. No, the worst roommate. No, best. best <laughs> no, actually, roommate. actually, Karim is, is is one of the the good roommates I have. He's he's quite. Um, you know, um, you are quite like a you know um, light person to be around, and uh, I mean. Yeah, nice. kind of. <laughs> what? Like you force Easy to be around. Um, you're not uh, noisy, or you don't disturb anyone. Um, quite, you know. You respect other people' privacies. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed being professional. I, I, I was with you the last time, the last tour in Qatar. Professional. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mentioned I it on the last podcast how that. you just like to walk around naked. So yeah, I would give it. I would give it to Karim, especially the last one we had, the last uh, tournament we had. We, we, you know, it was quite a, you know, emotional uh, uh, room uh, roommate. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah, I'm a sensitive guy. Uh, Thank um, you. All right, and Mark. Um... Thanks for joining me. Obviously, we thought this was just going to be. We thought part you can, two you would can, you can five cut minutes, and, ten minutes, and, and forty-five. So, pre- yeah, a lot of editing. Yeah, I'll, no I'll, I'll do some editing. Um, you know, I just uh, want to say good luck away. with your uh, food truck, little water. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 definitely never definitely proud to have Habibi, another. Thank you for bringing it up. Food truck, uh, you know, spreading out the the amazing uh, Lebanese food, and uh, also I want to say congratulations to Tuma. On the new oh, launch man. of the 720s, McLaren. 761 <laughs> So we're looking forward to the new launch of McLaren Mercedes in 2020. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, thanks for having me on. Honestly, uh, I, it, was, it was very nice to talk to you guys, catch up. And um, I hope, you know... People who are going to listen, we're going to be a little bit, uh, learn something and get a little bit inspired. Yeah. Well, hopefully gonna... they got the time. It's about three days long. Oh. Um, uh, Put it in two, two, two parts. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, Mark. All right, God bless you, again, boys. Mate, Thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Bye-bye. Bye, Mark. Oh, jeez, that took a long time. The Jerogan length, that. God damn. Mm. That was long. No, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to talk much about that email that I sent. But I thought it was a good timing. And, you know, it, you know eventually it's going to come out. So why not? The, the, yeah. Then we'll find out who actually <laughs> listens to the podcast. <laughs> if no one mentions it they'll be like then we know no one's paying attention but they probably listen like the first 10 Steve minutes and that's like yeah okay we'll, we'll finish it there just Steve will listen to it who? <laughs> Steve Perry just to see if we mention how quick he is um, yeah well we'll see we'll see how it goes but... well that's it for the uh, 10th episode of the podcast with Kareem and Joe extra long podcast today we dived into a lot of things um quite interesting but we enjoyed it mark's a 
really an integral part of the of the rugby community in Lebanon and a good friend of myself and Joe's. So it was great to have him join us in today's episode. Um, we dive into a lot of things, so we're happy that how it went. For anyone who's listening, if you have any questions or there's certain topics you want us to, us to discuss, hit me up on Instagram or hit Joe up on Instagram. Uh, let us know and, you know, we'll bring it into the next podcast. So thank you. See you next time.